morning. I missed you guys last week. I was in Tennessee, and um, I, I was doing something very important to me. Every year I go down to Tennessee or South Carolina. I was a youth pastor in South Carolina for four years and became you know, pretty close to the, the teens and youth workers there at the church. And so we started a fantasy football league while I was down there. And every year for the last 16 years, we, I've gone down and had the draft with them. And some of you are thinking like, that's really dorky that you'd go to those, that links for fantasy football. But that's, that's not what it's about. It's about the connection that I have um, with, with my former teens. It's about the connection with these friends. And so it was kind of cool last week. I want to start by telling on myself um, for a couple things. First off, uh, a couple weeks ago, I preached about um, that, that when you go on vacation, it's not a good, it's not, you should, you should go to church, you should worship, that we should always worship, that every Sunday morning is an opportunity to, to worship God. And so I got to tell you, last week I started like laying the groundwork, we were hanging out and Sunday was coming and I was like, hey guys, what if, what if we went to church Sunday morning? And they were like, nah, we, we don't want to go to church. And I was like, oh, come on, it'd be fun. We'll go to a new church, we'll experience something different. It'll be really cool. Nah, we don't want any part of that. And, and so I didn't physically go to a church last Sunday, and I had just preached about that. But um, what did happen was really cool. I, I got up and had the opportunity to tune in to Highland Park, which is where my brother-in-law, Kevin Jack, is pastoring, and I got to hear him speak. He gave an awesome message. And it was kind of cool because we're sitting in the, in the kitchen of this cabin, and there's other guys in the other rooms and just all around. And so we sat down with the computer and started tuning in to, to that service. And, and then some of the guys came over and just sat with us and were a part of that, which was really cool. And then that ended and we, I had the opportunity to turn on our service. And I got to put it on the main TV and got to worship with you guys there and with other guys there as well. So it was just kind of a cool thing to be in that cabin. And even though I didn't get to physically go, which I love to do, I did get the opportunity to worship together with you guys and a bunch of people in Florida as well. And it was a great time together. But as I was on this trip, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm spending time with, with former teens from my youth group. And here we're in a service at the church called Leading Forward. It's all about investing in the future generations. And I'm sitting there with my former teens from 15, 16, 17 years ago, um, just spending time with them. And I thought about the importance of what we're talking about. This is so important. I love the group of guys that I was with last week. I would go down there every year for the rest of my life um, to get to hang out with them. I love those guys. And you know what I want more than anything else, more than to win the fantasy football league or any of that? I want all of us to know and walk with Jesus. I want us to be followers of Christ. And, and so as I was sitting there, I was just thinking about this leading forward series. So I, I want to catch us up um, from, from where we've been. We started by talking about the fact that if we're going to lead forward, our forward piece of our vision is that we're going to invest in the future um, by investing in future generations. And so the first piece of it is that we have to first model our relationship with Christ. If we don't have a passionate relationship with Christ, we can't lead others to follow Christ. That's, it's got to start with our relationship with Christ. The second thing we talked about is staying on mission. Jesus was very careful, very clear to stay on mission. His mission was to reach and save the lost to build the kingdom. And he stayed on mission. He didn't get distracted. 
If we're going to lead forward, we have to stay on mission. And then last week, uh, I'm so thankful to have staff that can get up and speak and do a great job. And Pastor Emily shared God's word with you last week, and she does a wonderful job um, sharing God's word every week with with our kids in the back. And, And I'm thankful that you got to hear it from her and just thankful for her leadership. And she talked last week about leading through relationship. I just want to touch back on, on one thing that she, she said. Uh, last week, you, you, we had these folders, and actually there's some in the chairs in front of you. If you look in front of you, you'll, you'll see one of these. And one of the things that was, was challenged last week is that you would get involved in building relationships with future generations by being a part of family ministry. We have preschool ministry, children's ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry, lots of opportunities for you to get involved and serve and build relationship with future generations. And so I just want to encourage you, if you didn't get the chance last week, or if you just, you know, spaced on the chance, grab one of these. They're right there for you. And so lead through relationship. Today we're going to take Pastor Emily's message and we're just going to build on it a little bit more. We're going to build on a little bit more and talk about a little bit deeper relationships, something that we are all called to, but it's more than just having a relationship, being in a relationship um, with other people. Our faith is more than just being friends or, or co-churchgoers. We are called to something deeper, and today we're going to see it in God's Word. We are called to something called discipleship, and so we're going to be looking at, at uh, Mark chapter 4, and, and we're going to see how Jesus took things deeper in his leading. But first I want to say this, I love our church. My favorite thing about our church is that we believe the kingdom is for all of us, and we believe that ministry is about more than just one age group. We believe that we are all called to minister and serve and follow Jesus together. One thing that kind of happens in the church sometimes is, is we have our kids in the back and we have our teens over here sometimes and we, you know, we have our senior adult events and we've got our ladies' Bible studies and our men's Bible studies. We've got all these things going on and, and sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that being an intergenerational church, thinking that building the kingdom is just existing together. And maybe, let's take that a step further, and not fighting. How many of you think we're doing well if we're just not fighting with each other? Anyone? Sometimes I think we view it that way, like, hey, let, let them do their thing, and we'll do our thing, and, and we'll exist together, and as long as we're not fighting with each other, it's all good, but that's not what we're called to. We are called to take the next step to build relationships and to invest through discipleship in future generations. It's not enough to just go to our separate corners of the building. We are called to walk this journey together. So I want you to see from Jesus, So in chapter 4 um, of Mark's gospel, we see Jesus is preaching and teaching. I'm going to have you stand with me, and I want to give you a little warning. I'm going to have you, I'm going to read something, and then I'm going to talk to you for a minute or two, and then I'm going to read another thing. So you're going to be standing for a minute. You can do it. I believe in you. You guys are in good shape. If you're not, it's cool. I, I won't be mad at you. But in Mark chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, we see that Jesus is teaching It says again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things 
by parables. So Jesus is, this is like big picture teaching. Jesus is teaching, people are following. This is kind of evangelistic. Jesus is preaching, people are coming. And they, the crowds are getting so big that he has to remove himself, put himself on a, on a boat and push himself out a little bit so that there's room for everyone. And Jesus is preaching to the masses. So if, if I was going to equate this with something that happens here, I would say this is our Sunday morning gathering where we preach and teach the word, we worship together. It's, it's us gathering together, and, and this is important. It's very important. We are called to worship together. We're called to look into God's word together. I love this as I look out and I see people with their Bibles open or looking at their phones reading God's word. We are worshiping together, and Jesus is preaching. It's evangelistic. It's to the crowd. It's for growth, but, but then something more than that happens. We're going to see it in verse 33 and 34. It says, With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. I'll let you have a seat. So, so we are called to worship together. We come together as the body of Christ to worship. We preach and teach the word. I love preaching God's word to you. This is one of my favorite things to do. And it's great for us to get together, to read God's word, to hear from God. But there's something more that happens in the church. Jesus is calling us today to something more than just showing up to church and reading God's word and worshiping together. There's another level, a deeper relationship that we're called to. What is it? We see it in the last line. It says, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. The deeper relationship is called discipleship. And Jesus, yes, he came to preach and teach. Yes, he came to save the lost. That was his mission. You know what his plan to do it was? It wasn't to just keep teaching and preaching. It wasn't to just get bigger and bigger crowds. It was to invest in people that he discipled, people that would follow him. And so we see the big moment. We see the, the, the crowd gathering. And, and, and listen, that's, we're here today to worship, to hear God's word. I'm not Jesus, but I'm preaching his word. And we hear that together. But then there's the next step that we're called to. Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he had a plan. And he said, go and what? Have huge services. Go and sit in seats and sing together. Go and... You know, do some cool programming. You guys are going to, I'm going to get it finally. No, go and make disciples. That's the plan. Sure, Jesus came and he preached and he taught. And there were lots of people that came. But his plan was to invest in these 12 guys who would then invest in others, who would then invest in others, who would then invest in others. That's the plan to reach the world. The preaching's fine, but listen, preaching alone isn't going to get it. My preaching isn't going to get it. If Jesus' preaching didn't get it, then guess what? Mine's definitely not going to get it. There's more to it. We are called to take the next step in discipleship. And here's the thing. Not all of us are called to be teachers or preachers. How many of you are thankful that you're not called to stand up in front of all of you and speak? Okay, you guys want to? I mean, are you guys asleep or you just, you all want to do my job? Come on up, let's go. 
We're not all called to teach and preach. But listen to me very carefully, church. Every follower of Christ is called to make disciples. Every single one of us. It's not an option. It's not an extra thing. If you reach a certain level, Jesus says, go and make disciples. If we are followers of Christ, we are called to share Christ with others and to make disciples. You don't have to get up and teach and preach if that's not your gift. You don't have to sing up here, but you are called to make disciples. So let's talk about the forward piece of our vision. The forward piece of our vision is that we're going to invest in the future of the church by investing in future generations. Guess what? That's a lot bigger than just budgets. It's a lot bigger than the music we sing. It's a lot bigger than, than the clothes that we wear or the seats or, or the way the church looks. The way we invest in future generations is through relationships and discipleship. I was just with a bunch of my teens from my former church. And, and I hate to tell you this, but out of all the teens that came through the youth ministry in those four years, there are a lot of them that have walked away from the church. You can blame my speaking if you want. You can blame my leadership. That's fine. But listen, that's not what it is. It's not because the church wasn't cool enough. It's not because we sang the wrong songs. It's not because of any of that. It's because people didn't take the time to invest and disciple young people. If we are going to lead forward, it starts with discipleship. It's more, listen, music's great and it might attract people, but people aren't going to stay here for music. No offense, Caleb. He's awesome. Programs are great. We, we've got great programs. Our children's ministry, youth ministry, young adults, we've got great things going on. But that won't keep our young people following Christ. What will keep them following Christ is seeing it lived out by us. And when we intentionally build relationships and pour into them, I say this all the time. The reason I am where I am today is because I had parents that loved Jesus with all their heart and took the time to pass that love to me because I had leaders in the church because I had friends that pointed me to Jesus. I'm not here because I like to be up on Sunday mornings. I'm not a morning person. I'm here because I love Jesus Christ and I learned that when I was discipled by others. I'm so thankful for that. Listen, the hope of the future of the church rests in our ability to disciple our young people. And that's so much bigger than just, hey, let's bring them and let them listen to Pastor Emily, Pastor Grace, Pastor Teresa, Pastor Alex. This takes intentional discipleship. The biggest investment we can make in the church. Teaching has to go past what we say up front. We have to take the time for deeper relationships and discipleship. Here's the thing. If we allow the world to raise our young people, and we have for far too long, let me, just, let me just speak some truth. We have lost a lot of young people in the church because we haven't discipled them and raised them. 
If we allow the world to raise our young people, we can't be surprised when they come out looking like the world and wanting the world. We are called to disciple, and we've been losing the battle for our young people for far too long. And we don't win it by getting a better preacher or a better teacher or a better youth pastor, a better children's pastor, a better preschool pastor, young adult pastor, worship pastor, whatever. We, we win the battle by trusting Jesus and investing through discipleship. We are all called to this. It's bigger than just programs. It's relationships. So, so here's the thing. I wanna, I'm not done speaking. We've got a little time left, but I want to stop and I want to call you to be obedient to God's will today. Every single one of us in here is called to disciple others. Not just to show up to church, not just to sing and be nice and not complain and get along. We are called to disciple others. And listen, there may be some of you in here that would say, hey, I've, I've been passive for far too long. I've let other people raise our young people. I've let other people pour in. Maybe there's some of you in here that would say, I just, I'm not comfortable with discipleship. I need to know more about it. Listen, we are called, every single one of you is called to be a disciple maker. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to pray about that. I want you to hear God's calling to disciple others. And I want you to be obedient. There's this really cool thing that that we have. It's called the I'm Ready button. If you go to wcn.church, there's a button on the corner, the I'm Ready button. And if you click on that button and scroll down a little bit, you'll see a whole list of things that deal with discipleship. And if you believe today that God is calling you to be a disciple maker, if you believe that God is calling you to invest in others and pass your faith along and share Christ and share the gospel through relationship and discipleship, I want to invite you to go to that page and click the button and we'll follow up with you. Maybe some of you here are like, I don't even know if I could do that. I'm not qualified. I don't know enough. Listen, it's not about you being perfect or having all the answers. Jesus does the discipling. We just point the way. And so if you just want more information about what that looks like, go and click that button and we will reach out to you. Be obedient to God's calling to disciple. Listen, the future of our church depends on our ability and our willingness and our obedience to invest in discipling our young people. Will you be obedient today? There may be some of you that say, hey, I'm not there because I, honestly, I need to be discipled. The I'm ready button there gives you an opportunity to say, I want to be discipled. I want to be obedient. Listen, if you're not a computer person, there's cards right in front of you. Get a card right on there. Say, I want to be a discipler. I want to, I want to be discipled and give it to one of the pastors. Let's be obedient to God's calling. It's the future of our church. Listen, as much as I love preaching, my preaching isn't the future of the church. This church doesn't live and die on my preaching it probably could die, but it doesn't live and die on my preaching. It lives and dies on us being obedient to disciple each other and to build the kingdom by investing in others. So let's look. There's three things real quick. We'll, we'll get through the end of this. There's three things that we see from Jesus. So, so what does it look like to intentionally disciple 
others. We see three things from verse 33 and 34 that I want to look at that'll just clarify this a little bit. And then, then I hope that you'll be in prayer to respond and be obedient to God's calling. Let's start here. Verse 33. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. First off, it says, when he was alone with his disciples. So Jesus has, he's preached and he's taught and he's done the big thing, the evangelistic thing, the preaching and teaching thing, but there's more to it. Jesus had these 12 that he invested in. There were even more that he invested in. He would pull to the side and after the preaching and teaching, which I'm sure he was exhausted, he took the time to get alone with his people and to explain everything to them. This is discipleship. It's not saying, hey, come to church and hear a message. It's spending time together. It's talking through the matters of faith. It's talking through the word and saying, hey, let's talk a little bit deeper. Let's look at what God's saying to us. So number one, it's quality time is what we are called to do in discipleship. The second thing in verse 33, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke what to them? Does anyone remember what it said? Spoke what to them? The word. Number one, we are called to intentionally invest our time in relationships, but, but this is huge. Jesus took time to speak the word to them. Full confession, I've been in a lot of small groups in my time in the church, and I've been in way too many small groups that we would get together and we would talk about sports and we would talk, maybe play a game or two and maybe talk about a few life things. And we would never get around to the real important thing, which was hearing from God's word. It's not enough to just be in, in a relationship with somebody and, and be a friendship and say, hey, I'm going to pour into you. It's not enough to just, hey, how was your week? Hey, you know, how about those, those Bearcats? That was a rough day yesterday, but Ohio State was okay, right? And Bengals are going to be good. That's not enough. Jesus didn't come away from the teaching and walk to his disciples and say, hey, did you see how many fish that guy caught? Hey, did you see that? Did you hear that person, what they said? Jesus took time to invest and speak the word, teach the word, the gospel. We've got to spend time with each other, but we've also got to be intentional when we're together to pour in and lead each other closer to Christ. Way too many conversations in the church are about football or music or whatever. We've got to point each other closer to Christ. We've got to invest. We've got to preach the word. Sometimes, every week I, I do the devotional for staff meeting, and, and I use the scripture for, for that week. And so we were talking about this in staff meeting, and one of our staff members said, listen, for far too long I just used the excuse of, I'm going to set the example, and they can watch. And, and that's, listen, that's great, but it's not enough. Jesus didn't just preach and teach and set an example. Jesus invested further. He spoke the word to them. He taught them everything he could. He poured into them. And so it's not enough to just set an example. But, but the third thing today is this. You have to set the example. 
See, we can teach and preach all we want. We can spend as much time as we want, but if we're not living it out, it doesn't mean a thing. If we talk about how much we love people around us and then we walk out of here and are hateful and our young people see that, it won't matter what we say. We've got to live it out. So number one, we're called to intentionally invest our time. Number two, we are called to preach the word in our time together, to speak the word, to teach, to to work on it together, to study together, to hear from God. And number three, we've got to live it out. This goes back to the first week. Our young people need to see passionate followers of Christ who are transformed and changed by the love and the grace of Jesus. We are called to discipleship. Jesus set the example, verse 35 to 41. It says, that day, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And and Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And it says they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. See, Jesus has preached and he's taught and then he's invested and he's explained further and now he's living it out. He's showing them proof of who he is, of what he's all about. Two weeks ago, we talked about living for the mission. Jesus didn't just say, hey, we need to go reach lost people. Jesus went and found lost people and ministered to them. We have to live it out. So we are called to discipleship. And leading deeper, discipling requires teaching through our words and our actions. Here's the good news of all this. Jesus had this plan. Hey, it's not just about teaching and preaching. It's not just about big services. It's not just about big churches. It's about discipleship. And he invested in 12 guys with the idea that those 12 guys would invest in others and those would invest in others and those, hey, if we follow this far along, far enough down the line, I'll walk out of the light and they'll get mad at me. If we follow that far along, guess where we end up? Right here. We are here because of Jesus' plan of discipleship. We are here because of the faithfulness of others to pour in and disciple us. And the good news today is this, the plan works. 2,000 years later, we're here worshiping the almighty God. The church is, is great and many have come to follow Christ. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'm saying when we are obedient to follow God's calling, to disciple each other, to be faithful, to spend time, to teach and preach the word, to show the way people follow Will you be willing to be obedient? Are you willing to follow God's calling? Don't leave it up to me. I can't do it. Don't leave it up to our pastors. We can't do it on our own. You are called to make disciples. One of the things in this series we wanted to do is not just talk about leading forward, but we wanted to show some examples 
of leading forward. And so I'm going to have um, Rob Vogelman come up. And Rob leads a ministry called Father's Ministry here at the church. And I want him to tell you a little bit about how Father's Ministry is pouring in and discipling others and leading future generations. Here you go, Rob. into action, everything that you just said, you've shown through your example by supporting Father's Ministry to this point. So currently with Father's Ministry, we started a little over two years ago with one group of five guys. Um, after about six months, we one of our guys said, I feel I'm supposed to be leading a different group now. So he branched off and took another four guys. He led forward. Uh, out of that, then last fall, we had a six-week tryout for guys. Out of that, we had about two other men join, and they grafted in with this other group to where we started with about five, and now we're up to about 12 men that are part of Father's Group. Of those 12 men, we're talking about 45 to 50 children that have a dad that's getting serious about leading their family forward. So why do we have fathers? Well, if you know anything about your Bible, it started early. In Genesis 3, we see where Adam was with Eve, and we see the fall. And we say, well, why did Eve do that? Well, if you read the Bible, it says, Eve gave the apple to Adam who was there with her. Adam's sin was passivity. He was right there the whole time and did nothing about it. God put him in charge of the family, and Adam just stood there. Why that happened? He didn't take his leadership. Then later we see where they go hiding in the garden. When God came through the garden, he didn't call for Eve. He called for Adam. He said, Adam, where are you? I put you in charge of this family. I put you in charge of this garden. I know what happened, but you were in charge. And what was Adam's response? Well, this woman you gave me, gave me this apple. It hasn't changed in 2022. It's still the same mindset that we have, that we still have absent husbands. We have absent fathers. And just like Adam... The carnage is everywhere. Unfortunately, in my job, I have to have some hearings with students and their families to decide whether they get to remain in school. You know who's not there majority of the time? There's not a dad there. There's a mom there every time. Very rarely will I see a dad sitting on the other side of the table with his son or daughter. Still absent to this day, still letting someone else take care of the issues. And if you think broken families stops at that door inside the church, you're kidding yourself. The carnage also happens inside the church amongst families. Doesn't mean that it's too late. Doesn't mean that you can't do something about it, but it's just not gonna happen unless you become intentional. And that's the goal, fathers, is for us as men to become more intentional in what we're doing. We want our kids to grow up and say, when I grow up, I wanna be just like my dad. Well, what does that mean? Well, hopefully it means I'm gonna be a Christian, I wanna lead my family, I wanna love my wife as Christ loved the church. Or does it mean I'm gonna be emotionally absent. When I am there, I'm gonna have a harsh word of rebuke for when I mess up. Or I may have some kind of secret past that no one knows about because I'm detached from my family. So if you're intentional, they'll lead, but your unintentional leading will also have a consequence too. And so that's why Fathers is here. So how does it work? Well, first of all, we try to engage in personal self-study prior to our meetings. So for example, We'll have you memorize Ephesians 4.29 before we report. And Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth except what is useful in building up in the kingdom according to their needs. So the second part is then we talk about what does that mean? So it's not me telling you 
how to be a dad. That's not it at all. Uh, you can talk to Andy and Abby and Kaylin over there, and they'll tell you that I'd, I'm not an expert. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to be better. And so when we sit in a group, we try and ask each other, what does that mean to you? Well, one thing that stuck out to me says, according to their needs. Well, Abby's needs are different than Andy's and different than Robbie's and different than Claire's. So the homework then this week, the third part, is to go ahead and now put it in action. So now positively affirm every single family member at least one characteristic. So that doesn't mean it's a blanket statement for everybody. That means each individual kid, I need to verbally communicate to them, you know what, I'm proud of you. I love you because you are great at, I love you because you are, I'm so proud of you being my son or daughter because you, to verbally hear them say that instead of wonder if my dad really likes me. My dad is, I remember when I was a kid, my dad came to me and he put his arm around me, hugged me, told me he loved me. And I was like, okay, what's this? My mom later told me because he went to a conference and realized his dad never did that for him. And so my dad wanted to change the trajectory of my life. And so he told me, I just want you to hear from me. I love you. And so that's the goal is to change the trajectory of your kids' lives and your lives and your marriage. And then what we do is we come back and say, okay, how'd it go this week? Well, how'd you do? Well, I give myself an eight. Well, why'd you give yourself an eight? Well, I got to everybody except, you know, I, I, really, we were on the way here on Wednesday night, and I, and I grabbed my kid, and I told him. It should have been a little more. Or what's funny is we hear, well, I was talking to my wife, and she looked at me, and she said, this is part of your homework, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, but I still need to do it. You still need to hear those words. So who is the target group for fathers? Well, ideally, it's for anyone with kids K through 12. Uh, but we have some guys that have grandkids. We have some guys that have itty-bitties that were just born. Uh, it doesn't matter. We can adapt and change and do whatever we need to do uh, to get you in. There's no pressure. There's no commitment. So there is an opportunity that's coming up. Last fall, we did a six-week tryout. This fall, we're doing another six-week tryout. My good friend right here, Scott Mishler, will be joining me as we kind of take anyone who's willing and wanting to try and work on being a better father to be more intentional. It'll be on Sunday mornings during the 930 service, and room 513 starts in two weeks. We'd love for you to join for six weeks. Give us a tryout. See what you think. See if it makes a difference. And then after that six weeks, you continue on the journey with Scott and hopefully find another time in which you can meet and grow together. And as God's word says, spur one another on to good works so that we can help each other. And I'll leave you with this. Job 1.5 tells us that Job woke up early every morning and created a burnt sacrifice on behalf of each of his children for fear they may have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And then it says, this was Job's regular practice. Dad, is that your regular practice? Are you praying for your kids? Are you leading your household as God has told us to in his word? Or are we like Adam sitting by and watching the world happen and hoping that our kids somehow figure it out? They need you. They need to see you leading. And if you're not intentional about it, they're going to follow your lead some other way. So thank you, Alex. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Rob. All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. And I want you to hear one more time today, that is an awesome example of intentional discipleship, people choosing to grow in their faith to lead others. I love that. But the calling is not just for fathers today, it's for all of us. So I want you to hear one more time, you are called to make disciples. I want to invite you as we sing this last song, 
We're talking about just Jesus using us, continuing to use us to continue to transform us and change us and use us. And I want to ask you to pray, God, are you calling me to take a step of discipleship? If God is calling you, be obedient. You can go to the I'm ready button, write it on a card, whatever, talk to one of us. We want to lead you in this process. We want to walk with you, but don't miss it. It's more than just what we do here. We are called to lead through discipleship. Father, I pray that you would speak to us. It's not about me or what I say or Rob or what he says or anything else, Lord. This is about you and your calling. And so I pray, Lord, right now that you would lead us and call us. Lord, help us to be obedient to hear from you and help us to follow you and be faithful to disciple others. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.